Hello, Door Creek. All right, early in the morning, that's a good start, a great start. Praise God for being here today to share with you what God has laid on my heart, um, coming from wanting to be a very um, popular and one of my favorite psalms of David, to be sharing with you um, as God has um, laid it on my heart to do this morning. I want to thank God for my wife, she's back there somewhere, and my children, uh, three of my kids are here, we have five, and three of them are here, wave your hand, if you have a 13 year old, my 13 year old doesn't want to wave his hand, it's not cool, all right, but uh, thank God for them that they are here to um, support and share and pray for me, and I thank God for you. And I know that you've been praying for me also, so I truly do appreciate that. Uh, Thank God for you. All right, grab your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 23. Psalms 23. I have to share with you that... As I was uh, sharing with people that I was going to be preaching at Door Creek, uh, I guess they called themselves being helpful to me. Um, They said, oh, Door Creek, huh? Okay. Uh, They're a a stoic people there. (laughs) And I said, and I heard that twice. And I said, well, you know, I think I know what they mean. I said, you know, I'm just going to look up and see what the the definition really says. Because what I'm thinking you know, so I, s- I looked it up, and, and the definition reads, stoic, a person who can endure pain <laughs> or hardship without showing their feelings or complaining. So, of course, my prayer is I really hope that you're not stoic, or I hope that you, I'm not putting you through any pain or anything like that this morning. So I, I, I pray that God's word will saturate your heart, that you will you feel God's heart, and you will receive God's word because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God, and it's about his word being shared and going forth. So um, thank you, and I appreciate your prayers. All right, Psalm of David, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Gracious God, we thank you today. We praise you for your word. We thank you, God, that we've come here with an appetite, an appetite for your word. And Lord, you said if we hunger and thirst after your righteousness, we will be filled. So Lord, today, fill us with your word. Help us, Lord, as we leave here today, not to just be hearers of your word, but to be doers also, that we might be witnesses of your wonderful grace, your saving power, and that the world 
in darkness may see your light. We thank you today. And Lord, I decrease so that you may increase, that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Starting off here in this Psalm of David, David, one of my favorite characters, not because we both are named David, but David meaning beloved, and I try to follow that as close as I can. David was a great king, as we all, we all know. Uh, David was appointed to be king at a very early, anointed to be king at a very early age, but yet had to wait for his appointment to be the king. David was a shepherd boy. David had his struggles in life. David was a woman's man. He, was a, he loved women. That was his weakness. Beautiful women. It was his struggle. He, he couldn't help himself. But then through all of that, God still used him because David was a man after God's own heart. And the beautiful thing about the relationship with God and David and even us and God is that we may not be perfect. We might make a lot of mistakes, but God knows our heart. It's not to excuse or justify what we do, but it's to know that well-rooted and grounded inside of us, we have a desire to serve God and a desire to love God, and he knows that. Every single one of us will fall, we'll trip, we'll make mistakes, we'll be hard-headed. God will say, go right, we'll go left. God will say, go left, we'll go right. God will say, jump, we'll sit down. God will say, sit down, we'll jump. We'll do that in life. But God knows our heart that once we realize we are in the wrong, we will repent, and we will come back to our senses. And that's where David did. David came back. He wrote some of the most beautiful prayers, some of the most beautiful songs, Songs and psalms that we use today. I use Psalm 23 in, in many services, uh, probably more in funerals than anything. But it is a praise. It is a praise to God. And it's to remind us who God is, the good shepherd, the shepherd of Israel. And who better to write about the good shepherd or to write about a shepherd, period, than David, who experienced it himself. So he writes this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Lord is my shepherd. Now we know uh, John 10, 11 says that God, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life. He lays down his life for the sheep. He gives everything that he has to protect the sheep. That's what David did when he watched over Jesse's sheep, his father's flock. He would give his life. He would put himself in between the enemy and the sheep because that was his calling. That was his responsibility. So God of Israel is the good shepherd. And David wants us to see the picture that this is the shepherd's heart. This is what he desires. Psalm 23 gives us a clear picture of the shepherd's heart. And the first thing David wants us to see is that the shepherd provides. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, I'm used to reading the King James Version where it says, I shall not want. But when I see this, I lack nothing, I have to look at certain words and say, well, I know there's times in my life when I don't have what I need. So how can I say I lack nothing? The Holy Spirit began to break it down to me. It says lacking nothing doesn't mean there won't be times when you don't have something. It means that you have a source to go to when you don't have it, which means you never really lack it because you have someone you can go to. 
I don't have $20 in my pocket. I don't even have 10. I don't even have $5 in my pocket. I know. But could you could I say I lack $5? I don't have $5. I don't have it on my person, but I can go to my wife. <laughs> yeah, who has $5. So therefore, I lack nothing. Because I don't have it on me, but I know where I can go and get it. Huh? So in life sometimes, you may not have what you can physically get and grasp right now, but you have a God, you have a shepherd, you have a good shepherd, you have a great shepherd that will give everything for you that you know you can go and you can tap into that source. So David said, I lack nothing. He provides. The sheep lack nothing. All they had to do was follow the shepherd. All they had to do was trust where the shepherd led them. All they had to do was know that the shepherd would lead them to green pastures, would lead them and would, would help them to lie down in green pastures and lead them beside quiet waters so that they could drink, so that they could rest. Nothing like trying to live life where there's chaos going on all around you. Have a house of teenagers, just chaos all around you. It's good when God can give you green pastures or quiet waters. When you can have that time just to get in the corner and seek God's face and just talk to God and say, Lord, I just need a break from everything. He leads me. He makes me to lie down. He leads me. Now, you got to understand God is leading you, meaning in order to be led by God, you have to spend time with God. Because you have to know where God is directing you. Have you ever lived your life where every decision you made you made it, and then you resorted to God last. Hmm? Yeah? Y'all can talk to me this morning. It's okay. <laughs> really, it is. All right? It's okay. Well, just, you make the decision, and when it doesn't look good, then you want to go to God and say, God, the good shepherd, the Lord, the shepherd, please fix this situation. And he's good. He doesn't shake his finger at you, say, I didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you not to do it? What he does is he opens his arms and he welcomes you back and says, now maybe next time you'll do what you should have done. Talk to me first. We could save ourselves so much trouble if we just talk to God first about it. Because the shepherd knows. The shepherd's been through the land. He knows where the ins and outs. He knows where the danger. He knows where the wolves hide. He knows the wolves that are in sheep clothing. He knows those that smile in your face but stab you in the back. Amen. The good shepherd knows, so trust him. Trust him. He surveyed the land. He won't send you anywhere where he can't keep you. He won't give you anything to do that he can't equip you to do. God doesn't call you unless he equips you and anoints you to do what he wants you to do. So trust him. Trust him the green pastures, in the quiet waters. A sheep has to have the trust of the shepherd. Now they said there's three things that, that have to take place for a sheep to really relax and rest and be able to uh, 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 follow the shepherd. Is the sheep has to have a place of rest, has to make sure that, that everything is pleasant, and that's what the green pasture is all about. The sheep has to make sure, they, they want to make sure that there is no tension amongst the other sheep. I never had heard that before. I mean, how do sheep know they have tension amongst each other, right? Well, they got to know. And, that, and really, that is our goal in church, isn't it? In the body of Christ. I know we may not perfect it, but it is our goal that 
all the, the flock of God that there will be no tension. That we will love each other. We'll pray for each other. We'll help each other up if we fall. We'll go to bat for each other. Amen? And so, and the third thing is that they have to know that they are safe from the enemy. They have to know that the enemy is taken care of. And so the shepherd makes sure all of those conditions are met in order for the sheep to really be able to follow like they should. Nothing like distractions. A sheep gets distracted very easily. They say sheep are the dumbest animals. They'll follow each other right off a cliff. Oh, should I have stopped? I didn't know. They'll follow each other right off a cliff. They'll drink from a flowing river and drown themselves because it's not, it's not still, it's not quiet. They'll do that. They'll wander. They'll get distracted. You know the thing about distractions? The thing about distractions is that Distractions are attractions, okay? If something's not attracted to you, it's not a distraction to you. Why was David distracted? He was distracted because by women because he was attracted to women. The devil's not going to bring things that don't attract you. He's going to bring things that attract you, that draw you, that lure you, that bring you out. See? If, if I'm not a big... Um, if I'm not a big liver eater, I'm just using an example. I love liver, but if you say I, I don't, no one's going to tempt me with liver. Smother with onions, gravy, yuck. I don't like liver. But bring me some fried chicken. That will attract me. That may distract me from what I'm doing because I love it. So the devil doesn't try to distract you with what you don't like. He brings you what you do like. So whenever you're tempted, just a little note here. So whenever you're tempted, always know that there must be something in you that's drawn to that. All right? Okay. That's a little side note for you. He refreshes my soul. Mm. Nothing like being refreshed in the Lord than spending time with him. Quiet early morning sometime before anybody gets up. He refreshes my soul. That's my goal every day is to be refreshed by God. I don't want to live off a day-old bread. I want to be refreshed. I want a new revelation with God every day. I want a new freshness with God every day. I want to experience something about God every day because I need that. I'm going to face challenges every day. You're going to face challenges. We are. Refresh my soul. David says he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. This is all not for us. This is for his name's sake. <laughs> Our tests are for his name's sake. Our tribulations, our trials are for his name's sake. He tests us, but he doesn't test us beyond what we are able to handle, does he? If I'm tested by it, then he gave me the muscle for it. Huh? If God allows it to come in my life, then I know I got what it takes to conquer it. Because he directs me in the right path. For his name's sake. That means God wants to get the glory out of what I'm going through. God wants to get the praise out of what I'm facing. So I better face this the best way I can so I can give God some wonderful praise. And I can look back at what I've been through. I can say, if it wasn't for God, I would not have made it. 
How many of you here today, you know, if it wasn't for the hand of God, you wouldn't be here this morning? Hallelujah. Because of the hand of God, we are where we are today. And that's because of the good shepherd. He knows how to protect us, and he knows how to provide for us. And he knows where to lead us. David says, even though I walk through, walk where? Through. <laughs> yes, some of you are building houses in the valley. <laughs> yeah, vacation home in the valley. No, this is just a walk through. Huh? When you go walk through a house, an open house, you're not taking your bags and luggage in there. You're just walking through. Okay? God says, stop getting comfortable in your valleys. Stop getting comfortable. Stop moving in and, 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 and fitting in and, and, and saying, oh, okay, I'm going to be in this for a little while. No, you're going through it. As I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. The darkest valley. The sheep knew where the shepherd was taking them. Sometimes it was very dangerous places. But as long as they followed the shepherd, they knew they would be all right. I like the way the King James Version states it. Um, say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I, like that. I like that word, shadow, because we understand a shadow is, is a reflection of something. Okay? You can chase a shadow. You can, you can try to step on the shadow. You can try to catch a shadow. A shadow will distort, distort your figure, won't it? Have you ever been walking and you saw your shadow and said, is my head really that big? <laughs> huh? A shadow distorts of what the real thing looks like. So when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, don't be afraid because what appears to be is not really what it is. Hmm. What appears, what it looks, what reflected is not really what it is. It's a shadow. Now, he talked about the darkest valley. He talked about the, sh the shadow of the valley of death. Now, how, how many of you know, what does it take to create a shadow? Light. And who is our light? So, if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and the shadow of death, that means the light is somewhere. Oh, y'all not catching that, are you? Huh? That means the light is there with me because there can't be a shadow Without the light. Hallelujah. Jesus is the light. So therefore, in my valley, Jesus is with me. That's why I fear no evil. Woo. Hallelujah. That, that gets me excited. I fear no evil because he's with me. What appears to be not really what it is. It's just, it ain't as scary as it looks. Even in a horror movie. People get afraid, they always show the shadow coming first, <laughs> don't they? A person doesn't even know the monster's coming, but they see the shadow. Look at that shadow. And the shadow looks bigger on the wall. And all of a sudden, this little person comes through. <laughs> That's how it is with the devil. We get afraid of his big shadow. See, God is the light. He's letting us know trouble is coming. I'm showing you the shadow. But just wait. Let it come around the corner. He's not as scary as he thinks. You've got power over that. Because the shepherd wouldn't have led you to it if he didn't give you the power. 
fear. I will fear no evil. Did you know that we have, there's two different fears. There is the emotion of fear. It's speaking in the spiritual sense. Then there's the, the, the spirit of fear. And say, God did not give us the spirit of fear. Love, power, and a sound mind. Okay? The spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but God did give us the emotion of fear. Let me tell you what the difference is. The emotion of fear is something that will save your life. Hmm? If somebody let loose wild dogs in this sanctuary today, how many of you will sit there and say, hmm, God did not give me the spirit of fear. <laughs> hmm. Stick my hand in his mouth. I don't have a fear. God, did, God gave me power and something. Is that a sound mind? That is the emotion of fear because the emotion of fear will save your life. The emotion of fear will tell you to get up and get out of here. The emotion of fear will tell you to jump on a chair, climb through, and put somebody in front of you. Okay? <laughs> the emotion of fear will have you looking for an escape because it will save your life. It will save your life. Now, the spirit of fear is a different because it's a spirit. It's a spirit. Spirit of fear would be that every time you saw a dog or you heard a dog bark or you came to your friend's house and they had a dog, you would just panic. You would, you would not even go outside if there was a dog anywhere in the vicinity. Therefore, it has now affected your life. It has now caused you to be paralyzed in your life. You cannot now live life and enjoy it because you think every time you see a dog, it's a wild dog and it's going to come and get you. I'm going to share a real story with you, just in case you can't get the dog story. This is real. This is me. This is my life. All right? I'm claustrophobic. You, have claustroph you know, I'm claustrophobic. I don't like tight spaces. Um, I don't get in elevators that I don't know. I, I have a fear of getting stuck in an elevator. Has anybody been stuck in an elevator? Oh, whew. My worst nightmare. Because I think I'll be there forever. That's the fear. That's the spirit of fear. So what the spirit of fear causes me, you know, fear, false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. I'll say it again. False evidence appearing real. Fear. You fear something that appears, but it really not. Like I fear getting on the elevator because I think this elevator has been up thousands of times, but I think this one time is going to stop on me. Eh? That's false evidence that appears real. But if I get on with somebody else, I feel comfortable because they're with me. And if we get stuck, I'm not by myself, right? So I will walk up 10 flights of stairs if there's nobody to ride the elevator with me. That's the spirit of fear, and you, not, you all need to pray for me. Okay? Stairs are good, and it's good exercise, but sometimes I need to get in a hurry and get up there. So pray for me that God will release me of that spirit of fear. Now, the emotion of fear in that case, that if there's a fire, the emotion of fear is say, don't get on the elevator, take the stairs. But the spirit of fear says, don't get on the elevator because it's going to get stuck. And the elevator just been maintenance. It hasn't been stuck. It's been up a thousand times, but the fear has paralyzed me to the point that I can't get on there. Because I think this one time is going to stop on me. 
Stop living your life as though this one time you're going to fail. This one time it's not going to work. You've done it many times. Keep doing it. Don't let fear, the spirit of fear, stop you. So fear no evil when you go through the dark alley, when you go through the shadow of death. Fear no evil because who's with you? God is with you. God is with you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. <laughs> your rod and staff comfort me. Now the rod, the shepherd had the rod to fight off the enemy. It was a defensive and an offensive thing, you know, weapon. It could, it could you know, hurt the enemy and could also keep the enemy away. The rod wasn't, it, 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 it was used, um, sometimes they say, well, they used the rod to, you know, to beat the sheep and to get them in line. No, he had the staff. See, the rod comforted the sheep because it kept the enemies away. The staff comfort, comforted the sheep because the staff was the, it had a little hook on the end that they were able to put it right around the neck of the sheep and bring them back into the fold. And how many of us have been hooked before? Huh? God had to use that staff on us because we got distracted by something and we started wandering from the congregation. We started wandering from God. We started wandering, wandering from the church and God had to use the staff to bring us back. Amen? I know I've had a few on my neck. Okay? But the staff, his rod and staff comforts me. They keep me in line. They keep the enemy away. Hey, the enemy, the, 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 uh, Jesus says that the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to leave nothing left. To steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have life what? Abundantly. Abundantly. God, God was breaking down to me life. I said, Lord, you know, I used to always use that verse, Lord, you're going to give me life abundant. And then when, when, when things go wrong in life, I said, God, what is this? He said, I'm giving you life abundant. See, we always just think life means everything good, abundant. That means you're going to have trials and tribulations because it's life. It doesn't mean God's not good. It doesn't mean that God has failed you. It just means God is letting you experience life. Abundantly. Good, the bad, trials, victories, it's abundant. But he's always, the good thing is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's always with us, even to the end of the world, right? He's always with us. So he comforts us. He comforts us. And we're going to need comforting sometimes. There's not a person in here who does everything right. No one. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table. A table is a place of celebration, a table of a place of plenty. And God will prepare a place of plentiful, a place of celebration in the presence. God is big enough and bad enough to prepare that table for us in the presence of our enemies. God doesn't have to go and hide us away in a corner and say, well, now that the enemy's gone, let me prepare you a table. He can do it right in the presence of the enemy. God's not afraid of our enemies. You know why he can do it in the presence of our enemies? Because he's God. He's the good shepherd, and he has all power, and all power is in his hand, and the enemy has to obey his voice. And guess who's not invited to dinner? Your enemy. Can't sit at your table. God has prepared this table of plenty for you. 
that even when you got enemies that are hurting you or that are that are criticizing you that are on your back that are always trying to get in your life and mess your life up God said enjoy what I'm preparing for you enjoy the blessing because they can hate you but they can't have you let them hate all they want to but they're hating from a distance they're looking at you and seeing all that God is blessing you with talk all you want but you can't have any of this this is God's blessing shepherd the wolves desire the sheep but the sheep are just enjoying themselves having plenty what the, what the shepherd provides the wolves just sitting back saliva and just just oh, i want that big sheep right there that sheep prays too much that sheep always wants to read scripture when somebody asks that sheep right there always leading women's group oh i want that one and god say you can't have them Enjoy your blessing. Enjoy where God has put you. Enjoy where God has planted you because God has got so much for you, so much for you. You anoint my head with oil, anointing the head of the guests was a custom that they are blessed to be here. Not, not the same anointing that Samuel anointed um, David to be, to be king or the, the anointing of the presbytery, but this was the custom to anoint the head, that meaning here for plenty. You're, you receive plenty. You, you're going to, to have an overflow of blessing. You are invited. You are, you are approved to be here. You don't show up at something, well, you shouldn't. Show up at something that you're not invited to. <laughs> I, I do sometimes. You don't just pop up somebody's wedding. You ain't on, you're not on the invitation list. Okay? You, will, you will be asked politely to wait outside, right? Guests that come to the table that God's prepared, anoint the head with oil, meaning that you're here for purpose. You're here intentionally. Anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I love that because my cup is not just full. It's overflowing. And why is it overflowing? Is it overflowing for me to get drenched and, and wet? No, it's overflowing so that my friends, my family, my loved ones can all experience what God experienced. The overflow is not for you, it's for others. Say amen on that one. I know people like to get it all and ooh, overflowing, but it's for others. Door Creek is overflowing, but you're using that overflow to bless others. And the forest. All over the world, Haiti, all over, your overflow is blessing others. Now, it would be a difference if you just kept it all to yourself. Eventually, the flow will stop. But because it's overflowing, that means God is constantly pouring. That means there's a pour that's constantly coming because you're overflowing. If the pour stops, the overflow stops. So God has set us up. He has set you up as a sheep in his fold. And he will bless you and protect you, provide for you. He makes promises to you and he prepares for you. Will you obey his voice and do what God says? As we pray today, if this word touched your heart in any way and you know there's a way, there's a way that I can do better with the gifts that God has given me, Lord, direct me. Is the music... Jesus is calling.
Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. That was really the, the thing to tell me to stop, right? <laughs> Amen. So as we pray, let's, let's bow our heads and let's look to the Lord as they play some uh, uh, great music. Enjoy the music ministry. Thank you so much. And just in your heart, God, if there's anything that from this word that I can get and take with me, Lord, to be a better sheep, to be a more obedient sheep, Jesus, bless me. Bless us. Father God, we love you today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word, which is our life. We thank you, God, for where we are in our lives because we know you see us. That as we go through this valley, this dark valley, this shadow of death, we will stand in your word and fear no evil. Father, forgive us if we have sinned. Forgive us if we have disobeyed you in any way. But today, Lord, for those that confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you have raised Jesus from the dead, God, they shall be saved. That's what the word says. So if you could just repeat this prayer with me, dear Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died for my sins. He rose from my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. And in the prayer room, will be open after service.